Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We continue in celebrating Easter, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead on this second Sunday in Easter. Welcome to this virtual space as we gather together here at the Village Community Presbyterian Church in this online worship service. Wherever you are at, as we gather across time zones and through technology, we are united in the spirit of the risen Christ. You are more than welcome to join us for in-person, on-site worship on our church campus here every Sunday at 10 a.m. as we observe COVID protocols with facial masking and physical distancing. Come to our campus every Sunday at 10 a.m. If you are at home, please have your Lord's Supper elements ready, a bread and cup or juice, wine, as we'll be celebrating the Lord's table later on in this worship service. We are a praying church, and so if you have any particular prayer requests or prayers of thanksgiving that, you, that you'd like to share with us, with the uh, pastoral staff, with our prayer team, with our deacons, please send those uh, prayers to the email addresses on your screen. Please continue to support the ministries of the Village Church by sending in your tithes and offerings through the various methods that are posted on your screen, whether it be through our uh, church's website giving portal, through our church's app, or sending in your contributions by regular postal mail. Just a couple of announcements. Care House, one of our uh, ministry partners, is collecting new and gently used secular books for kindergarten through fourth grade. And so please uh, drop that off here at the church as we'll be collecting that through the 15th of April. Our next new member class is on Sunday, the, 5th, the uh, 25th of April. I'll be convening the uh, next new member class. And so if you are interested in learning about uh, joining the Village Church, please be in touch with me. Again, that's going to be on Sunday, the 25th of April at 12.30 p.m. For all other news and announcements, I would refer you to Pastor Jack's e-blast uh, email sent earlier this week or village, or visit our church website, villagechurch.org, for up-to-date news and announcements. We are here to worship the living God, that is the most important thing that we do here at the Village Community Presbyterian Church. And so let us hear and receive these words from sacred scripture, words adapted from 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God. God gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, let us worship the living God.
Dear friends, even the obstacle of death has been removed between us and God. If through Christ Jesus, death can be removed, certainly our sins can also. Let us confess our sins to the merciful God and be assured of forgiveness. Please join me in the prayer of confession. Gracious God, you sent your son to die and rise to new life in order that death might be brought to an end and that we might live a new life in him. Yet we confess that we too often have chosen to remain captive to doubt and fear and ways that lead to death. By our thoughts, words, and actions, we have scorned your love, diminished the lives of others, and defaced your image in us. Father, forgive us for Jesus' sake and enable us by his resurrection power to live no longer for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again for us. Amen. Brothers and sisters, hear now these words of assurance. Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. Alleluia. Amen. Brothers and sisters, having been reconciled to Christ, let us be reconciled one to another. May the peace of Christ be with you. Share that peace with those around you and with the whole world. Amen. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our 
and all praise to Christ Jesus, His only Son, and all praise to Spirit, who makes us one. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love, yes, they'll know we are Christians by our They'll know we are Christians by our love. Good morning, children, and welcome to your kids' message. Today we are going to continue talking about your word for this month, which is peace. We hope that you all had a great time celebrating Easter with your families last weekend and that you learned a little bit more about the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made for us. When we think about Jesus and the life that he lived, one thing that he really demonstrated in relationships was bringing in peace. Jesus wanted authentic and genuine relationships with people, even when they were struggling and going through hard times. He wanted them to know that they could turn to him and really find that peace that they were looking for. So this morning, we're going to be reminded of what it means to really demonstrate that peace through your memory verse. You can turn to Romans 14, 19, and I'm going to read it from my Bible here at home. Your verse says, so let us do all we can to live in peace and let us work hard to build up one another. When we focus on building up each other instead of tearing each other down, that brings in peace into our lives. In the moments that are difficult or maybe when we're having conflict, how can you bring that peace into those moments? God wants us to know that he is always with us and that that kind of peace ultimately comes from him. So how can you demonstrate that this week to someone in your life? We look forward to seeing you all back here next week. Bye-bye. Will you please join me as together we join our hearts and minds in a prayer to our Lord, bringing together our concerns, our joys, and our needs. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, creator of the universe, you made the world in beauty and restore all things in glory through the victory of Jesus Christ. On this second Sunday of Easter, hear our continued prayers to be faithful as disciples, hopeful and effective work for your kingdom, and gratitude for continued mercy in our lives. Holy Spirit of God, guide us in our prayers for the church, community, and the world. We pray for those on staff who are on respite this week, asking your presence to renew and strengthen them. We pray for the many in our church who need your healing hand. We pray full recovery for Bob, for John, for Jeff and Pat. We pray that you will be with Pastor Neil as he brings a message this morning. As we look beyond the community of faith, we pray for our world. We pray that Wherever your image is still disfigured by poverty, sickness, selfish, war, and greed, the new creation in Jesus Christ may appear in justice, love, and peace to the glory of your name. Make us instruments of that love and grace. Help us to rise up to do what is right, not for our benefit, but your glory, our God. Give voice to the poor through our obedience to invite them to speak and share, to come alongside as a community of followers of Jesus. 
Lord, we continue to pray for the teenage girls at the Convention Center here in San Diego. And thank you for the spiritual support they're receiving from the Episcopal Diocese. Help us to continue to pray for them and also give to their needs of clothing, blankets, personal supplies, as they await family and sponsors to bring them to their new home. We pray, Lord, for those in natural disasters flooding in Indonesia. And we also pray for international disaster of corrupt governments doing harm to people. Lord, have mercy upon the vulnerable. Receive these prayers, O God, and transform us through them, that we may have eyes to see and hearts to understand, not only what you do on our behalf, but what you call us to do so that your kingdom will come in fruition in glory. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
begin our time in the scriptures with a prayer for illumination. Please join me in prayer. God of mercy, you promise never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. When he noticed how the guests choose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor. In case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited them, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now a reading from the letter to the Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith. Ministry in ministering. The teacher in teaching. The exhorter in exhortation. The giver in generosity. The leader in diligence the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is the word of the Lord.
Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations and thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. For it is in Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. For many of you who are in business or in the manufacturing supply chains or in R&D and in research and development, you all know the principle of first mover advantage. Simply put, first mover advantage is a firm's ability to be better off than its competitors as a result of being first to market in a new product category. The more durable the product when being first on the market, the greater its success in the long term. Imagine the first Panasonic TV or the first bottled Coca-Cola. And how many of you like biscuits and cookies? In the late 19th century, the two dominant biscuit makers in, in America were Nabisco and the Sunshine Company. Nabisco gained market share when they revolutionized the packaging in, the, in boxes to enable biscuits to last longer in shipping and on the store shelves. They essentially had first mover advantage when they introduced the simple wax paper with a sleeve that folds over to protect moisture. So, your favorite crackers, your favorite cookies and, and biscuits like saltine crackers came fresh because they were wrapped in a wax paper sleeve kept in a cardboard box. Now, to try to beat them, their competitor, Sunshine Company, strategized to come up with a never-before, first-ever chocolate cookie. Two wafers with a white vanilla cream in between, and they called it Hydrox. Hydrox, first on the market, first mover advantage, it debuted in 1908. They thought, Sunshine Company thought, checkmate, they won, right? The first chocolate cookie with a white vanilla cream. First chocolate cookie sandwich, that is. They had first mover advantage, so they, so they thought. But first mover advantage also had a weak spot. They showed their cards to Nabisco because it caused Nabisco to see what product was working out in the market and how they could make it even better. And so what did Nabisco do? Nabisco approached Hershey's chocolate and they conspired together and they perfected the chocolate cookie using Hershey chocolate. And so they made the chocolate cookie wafers with a better, even better vanilla cream sandwiched it together, and the rival cookie, Oreos, debuted in 1912. Being first has its advantages. It definitely has its disadvantages. Now, this sermon is not about cookies, and it's not about biscuits, although I'm sure we here at the Village Church miss the Sunday donuts and the munchkins and coffee. My staff colleague, Gustavo Curia, dean of our staff, knows our long our longtime donut supplier and the owner, so go and see him and to find out the vendor's name and location. But we try, all of us, we try to be first all the time, the first mover advantage. Nations vie for a first spot, the first to the moon, the first to Mars. Companies do this all the time in hopes of increasing profits and the bottom line. When checking in at hotels or, or the airlines, we want the first spot, the first seat, the front of the line. There's that comic strip of a group of older adults standing outside a department store waiting for it to open because of an advertised sale. And a young man cuts in line to the front and a group of 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds scold and berate him to wait his turn in line and to go back to the back. He says, but I had the keys to open up the store. Think about the COVID vaccines. 
with the exception of those of you who don't care to be vaccinated, for most of us who do, we want to partake. We wanted to partake in front of the line. High schoolers and college graduates these days, they want to know the first notification from colleges and universities. Graduate or even graduate first, valedictorian or near the top, and get first dibs on college campus housing assignments. Sadly though, trying to be first and knowing human hearts, we humans will try to outdo others at their expense. Imagine this, while 30% of COVID vaccines have gone to less than a quarter of the world's population. So while hundreds of millions of doses have already been administered, there are more than 6 billion people left to even receive a first dose. We can argue about the capacity of, of delivery and storage and administration and, and the ability to place the necessary infrastructure in, in majority world countries, but we also put those factors side by side with the desire of global North countries to maintain control of the vaccine supply and the proprietary and intellectual rights of the science behind those vaccines. It's the attitude, we found it first, we produce it first, so we get it all first before anyone else does. Seeking to be first has its disadvantages. The biblical vision of first and last bears repeating in this ongoing sermon series on following the way of Jesus in a wayward world. The world's values and principles are the ways of Pilate and Pharaoh and Caesar. First is better at all cost, profitability, big is better. Those are the values of powers and principalities. Yet we know Jesus' reminder in Matthew 20, verse 16, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Or again, he says in Mark chapter 9, verse 35, if anyone wants to be first, he or she must be last and the servant of all. Our text today in Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 14, shares one of Jesus' funny parables. It's a story of the man who went to a wedding party and thought he was the guest of honor and so sat in the father of the bride's chair to get the best dish. It's like the man who thought he could sit in the first-class cabin since the passenger hadn't arrived yet, and thinking that the flight attendant wouldn't notice, he got comfortable, took off his shoes, ordered a mimosa to stretch out, and before the door closed, the first-class passenger appeared and was surprised that this man was in her seat. And he was equally surprised at her surprise. He had to put his shoes back on, get up from his seat, remove his baggage from the overhead compartment with everyone in the plane watching this whole this whole encounter as he walked slowly behind the curtain to the other side of the plane, way back to the other side in the squishy, narrow seat that he had paid for. Then Jesus tells another parable. This is a story of a woman who planned the, up, the umpteenth swimming pool party for the neighborhood kids and their parents. She was one who went above and beyond what a party was. She printed the invitation, she freshly baked cookies and all the cakes, she made the fresh lemonade. She pulled out all the stops, tablescaping the place settings, making sure the right music was on hand, making sure that everything was right, nameplates for kids' place settings, because with every expectation that her hard work would be recognized and that she and her kids would be invited to the other neighborhood parties. She set the standard so that the other parties should and must raise the standard. It was a way of a neighborhood trans transaction. I'll host this time, 
So you'll host next time. So I'll host next time. So you'll host next time. In both of these parables, it makes the relationship about transactions. In the first parable, it is, I deserve this. I deserve the better seat at the banquet table. In the second, par in the second parable, it is, I deserve what you give me because of what I gave you. The first parable is about being first only at the expense of another. The second parable is about being first as a zero-sum game, with an expectation that I will receive something by doing something. Jesus has another way. Jesus' way upends both ways of trying to be first. Jesus teaches that by his very life, what it means to be first and what it means to be last. The call is to serve others for their flourishing, that all will flourish, that all will have God's shalom, that all will be blessed. God knows our hearts. God knows our hearts, even though he calls us to care for others and to honor each other. God knows our hearts desire to try and strategize to be first and always first. In both of these parables, it makes a relationship about transactions. In the first, it is, I deserve this. In the second parable, it is, I deserve what you give me because of what I gave you. The first parable, as I said, is about me being first at the expense of another, whereas the other is about, I will give you something back, a quid pro quo, that I expect something in return because if friends and family and acquaintances are given gifts, there is an expectation that a favor will be returned, that there will be a reciprocity. But we know that the scriptures talk about grace. Grace in scripture means gift. A gift is undeserved. Neither of the parables describes gift. It describes entitlement. It describes expectation. Gift, grace, is about surprise. Because I didn't expect it, I didn't deserve it. In these parables, there is no surprise element, which is what grace and gift are about. Jesus shows us and the world a different way about honoring one another. He shows us his way of what it means to be truly human, to be about his love, to be about one another, to, to be about lifting one another. Jesus' teaching prepares his disciples to shape their hearts and lives according to the ways of the cross. His life was about serving others, giving his very life so that the world may have life. Philippians chapter 2 described his high exalted status, but who showed what it meant to being last, even though he was really first. Or in fact, not just first, but he was preeminently supreme. Here is what Philippians chapter 2 says, Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here was the Son of God, the creator of the world, the Savior of the world, the only begotten Son of the Lord God Almighty, the high priest from the order of Melchizedek, from the covenantal line of Abraham, from the royal line of David. This, the Lord, the King, the Prince of Peace, was counted as a criminal, humbled himself, became last for the sake of God's love for the world. And this is how Philippians chapter 2 describes the result. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, 
so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ, who became last, who humbled himself to the point of death, was then made preeminently first, or more accurately, was recognized and revealed to be always what he always was from the very, very beginning, preeminently first, as demonstrated by his resurrection and his ascension to heaven and being seated at the right hand of God. Imagine that. The Son of God who was crucified, the one who died, the one who was dead, he was exalted by his resurrection, his ascension, and his being seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, as we confess in the Apostles' Creed. And so we ask, how is it that Jesus is exalted? The one who made himself last is now revealed to have been always preeminently first. How does the resurrection, how does the ascension, how did his being seated at the right hand of God the Father exalt Jesus Christ? One of the ways and one of the resources in our Presbyterian Reformed uh, traditions is the Westminster Larger Catechism. And there we find how Christ is exalted in his resurrection, ascension, and being seated. It's summarized in question and answer 52, 53, and 54 of the Westminster Larger Catechism. Question 52 asks the question, how was Christ exalted in his resurrection? It reads in part, He rose again from the dead, the third day by His own power, whereby He declared Himself to be the Son of God, to have satisfied divine justice, to have vanquished death and Him that had the power of it, and to be Lord of the quick and the dead. Question 53 asks, How was Christ exalted in His ascension, in His return to heaven? And it reads in part that, quote, 40 days after His resurrection, He, Jesus, in our nature, and as our head, triumphing over enemies, visibly went up into the highest heavens, there to receive gifts for humanity, to raise up our affections, and to prepare a place for us where, himself, where he himself is, and shall continue till his second coming at the end of the world. And then finally, in question answer 54 asks, How is Christ exalted in his sitting at the right hand of God? It reads in part, Christ is exalted in his sitting at the right hand of God, in that as God-man, he is advanced to the highest favor with God the Father, with all fullness of joy, glory, and power over all things in heaven and earth, and does gather and defend his church and subdue their enemies, furnishes his ministers and people with gifts and grace and makes intercession for them. In other words, he demonstrates his power and care and love for us continually for all eternity. That is good news. That is the gospel for you and me and the whole world, that Jesus humbled himself to the point of death to free us, to liberate us, to enable us to live for him for his purposes. He frees us so that we can do what Romans 12.10 says. Now, I like the way that the message translation renders that verse. It says, be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Other Bible translations talk about honoring one another, outdoing each other to honor one another, preferring to honor one another, honor others above yourselves. In other words, make yourself last and make others first. Now, what does that look like? 
What does it look like to honor others, to exalt them, to make them front of the line, to make them first fiddle, to make them first chair, and I'll be second or third chair? What does the rubber meets the road application of Christ's life in your life and mine? How can you outdo one another in honoring others above yourselves? Or how the message translation speaks about being expert in being second fiddle. Be an expert in being second, third, or even fourth place. Here are some practical ways. One, listen to one another. Listen to others. Listen to the stories and pain of others, even though you may not necessarily have experienced it. Even maybe you have not witnessed it. Particularly in these times of heightened tension and violence against Asian, Asian American, and Pacific Islander communities, my communities, listen to our stories. Don't dismiss them even even if you haven't experienced it or, or even if you haven't witnessed it, but listen. Listen to black communities and their pain. Second, by extension, listen to all marginalized groups, those who have been disenfranchised to the pain of and hurt of so many. What would it mean if we considered why is it that there are thousands of migrants, thousands of children fleeing their homes in the southern border of the United States? No one flees their homes or their families, yet they want to start a new life here. Why is that? That's one way to live out this text. Pause and listen to the stories, to the pain and hurts of others. Number three, imagine carrying out a task on a team, maybe a work project, and not caring who, who receives the credit. Writing a report or, or something, or giving an oral report, or submitting the project that speaks of we. We researched, or we spent hours writing this and we recommend, rather than I did. Right? It's withholding yourself, but caring more for the community, for the group, for the we, rather than the me. Here's a fourth way. One of the things that we do in our home every Halloween at our cul-de-sac, like all homes, we have the usual basket of candy for children of all ages to get as many candy as they'd like. But we, but we um, and the whole neighborhood knows that we have an additional feature every year since we bought our home in Carlsbad seven years ago. We set up a hospitality table at the end of our, of our driveway. And all, on that table is the basket of candy. But we also have trays of hot food, chicken tenders and bagel bites, hot food and bottles of cold water, hot chocolate and, and hot apple cider. Because we figure parents and children going from house to house, people need to be refreshed and strengthened. That's one way to honor, to care for others. Uh, that we put ourselves to set the table for them. Here's a fifth way. It's like my first trip to the Philippines back in 2000 when, with my seminary class, we visited many impoverished communities and in one place, Payatas, near Quezon City. Our class of seven students and our professor spent two days sleeping on the cement floor of a single room in a village that was created within the garbage dump site of Quezon City. Our class arrived in that village a few weeks after a major landslide of garbage buried and killed at least 260 people. We got there where a few feet away from the room where we stayed was a cross made of two meager twigs marking the hope of the villagers of their loved ones lost in the tons of garbage. But the garbage heap that served as home, it was both home and tomb. And in the midst of that tragedy, in the midst of the despair, in the midst of the deep poverty of that garbage, fly-infested place, was the deep love and generous 
hospitality of the villagers, who prepared our meals, delicious rice and chicken and soup broth, fried rolls, fried lumpia rolls. They honored us. They, they outdid in loving us. An unexpected gift, a gift of grace. They weren't repaying us for anything. They did it out of sheer hospitality to honor us, of being human to human. They set the table for us. Such tables connects us to the table, where the one who gave his life and who is risen nourishes us, strengthens us, honors us. We are crowned a little lower than the angels because we are so beloved in his Father's sight. I invite all of you, all of us, all those who love and trust the risen Lord Jesus Christ, all of you who desire to love God deeply and fully, are welcome to this table. Will you join me in prayer? Most gracious and loving God, we thank you. We thank you that in your Son, Jesus Christ, you love us. You gave your life for the life of the world. As we partake, O Lord, of this table, might, O Lord, this bread and this cup be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Might you nourish us and strengthen us by it, that you might, that you might assure us, O Lord, of your sure promises in Jesus Christ. For we pray these things in your name. Amen. I invite you to take the elements in your home, your, the bread and the cup, and hear these words. I give to you that which we have received, that on the night of his arrest, our Lord Jesus Christ, being with his friends, took bread, and after giving thanks to the Father, he gave it to them, he broke it, gave it to them and said that this is my body given for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper had ended, he took the cup. And after giving thanks to the Father, he gave it to them and said that this is the new covenant sealed in my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. And everyone says, thanks be to God. Let's partake together. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for this holy sacrament of the Lord's table. Strengthen us, O Lord, to bear witness of the risen Lord Jesus Christ in all that we say and do. For we pray these things in his name. And everyone says, Amen.
this worship service. Let me invite and encourage you to do what Romans chapter 12 exhorts us to, to outdo one another in honoring one another, giving preference to each other, being, being and becoming an expert at being second fiddle. Friends and sisters and brothers in Christ, receive this blessing. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly more beyond we can ever ask, think, or imagine, according to God's power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus from generation to generation, now and always. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.